All right. You can start, again, if you haven't gotten there yet, you can start turning to 3 John. It should be, for me, again, it's about, two, it's about a third of a page, maybe half a page. Little book. We're going to get this whole thing in today. Um, I don't have much of an introduction. I was saying that on the way over here, which, which if you know the way that I usually prep sermons, usually it's like I have a list of facts that kind of look more like a lecture, and then all of a sudden there's this intro, and then all of a sudden to me it starts to feel more like a sermon, like something I'm actually preaching. I don't really have anything like that today, mainly because as I was studying this book this week, for a plethora of reasons, um, I, this book just is, it feels a little bit different than the rest. This one, this is John actually writing to an individual, talking about individuals, and it kind of connects thematically to where we've been in both 1st and 2nd John up to this point, but it just, it feels a little bit different, and I was having trouble this week, honestly, kind of wrapping my brain around, how is it that we're supposed to teach this? What are we supposed to do with this? Because a lot of this just kind of feels like we're getting a glimpse at kind of like personal relationships between a couple of people, and it's like, how do we, how do we apply this? How do we make this a truth that has been beneficial for the whole body of Christ, because like we said months ago when we memorized uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Like, like all of it is helpful. So this week just felt a little bit different to me, and, 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 and maybe it won't for you, but as we kind of get in here, we're just going to, like I said, see just this picture of some of the relationships that, that can kind of rise up in the church, and I want us to kind of see, we're going to see kind of two pictures, positive and negative of kind of what can happen as we mature. Uh, last week we talked a whole lot about the truth and loving the truth and understanding the truth. And, and as we better understand the truth, there are kind of one of two ways that we can kind of go as we mature with, with what we become as we become more confident in who Jesus is. And John's going to kind of address two different people in the church um, that have kind of gone both directions with this. And he's going to kind of um, present us with some opposing views so that we can kind of examine our own lives, I think, and see how is it that I'm applying this, my understanding of the truth. When I say, when I say I'm growing in the truth, I'm loving the truth, all of these things that we've been talking about for the last few months, um, what is it that we're, we're doing with it? What is our life, how is our life being changed, right? Because we said last week, if we love the truth, our lives are going to reflect that we love the truth. Um, but one of the things that, and, and we'll see this in a few, is kind of what happens if we get a lot of truth in us, but we don't necessarily love it. Like we know it, but we don't necessarily love it. Um, so we'll kind of see that when we get there. So if you're in 3 John, I'm just going to start at the very beginning in verse 1. It says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So the first thing that 
I want us to see, and we kind of talked a little bit about this last week, is just how much John loved the church that he was writing to. And I want you to, again, see just the kind of relationship that John has with this guy. He's like, I love you, and I mean that. I don't want you to miss out on the fact that you are my brother, and I love you. And I'm really, really filled with joy to see what God has been doing in you. The way that he's been growing you. The way that you have been living out your understanding of the truth, right? He's saying to him, all of these things that I'm seeing, you are, you are in a spiritually good place. And I'm praying that that would continue and that your ministry would continue to be successful, right? He says in uh, verse, f- uh, th- no, sorry. In verse 2, I pray that all may go well with you and that, it may, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. He's saying spiritually, you are in a great place. I hope that physically your health matches the level of of spiritual well-being that you are demonstrating in your life right now. Like he's praying good things for him because he's in such a great place spiritually. I mean, he can only pray these things because he knows these things and cares about him in that way, right? Um, he, he, he talks about later on, he's going to call these kinds of people his children, right? And, he, and he, this may be a guy that, that John personally had, had shared the gospel with and seen, and seen have his life changed and begin to grow. And he's, he's just overjoyed to see the direction that he's going as he grows to understand the truth. And what does, and what does growing to understand the truth look like in his life? Well, walking in truth is demonstrated through hospitality, in this example, in this, in this version, as John is talking to him, what we're seeing is that his life is, is full of hospitality. He's welcoming people into his home, even if he doesn't know them. They're brothers in Christ, and he's saying, you know what? I want to welcome you in. I want to feed you. I'm going to give you a place to stay, whatever that may look like, right? He wants to make sure that they're taken care of as he sends them out on their way. He wants to make sure that he's supporting their ministry because they're doing great things, and John commends him for that, right? He's saying, you understand the truth. You get it. You understand all these things that I've already been teaching, right? That we should should do all the things that God tells us to do, that we should be holy, and then the big one that we kept coming back to, that we should love one another really well. He's saying, you are a perfect shining example of what that looks like. You You know the gospel. You understand the truth. You know what that makes you. And now you are... You are giving as much as you can to love and support all of these other brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's a really cool thing. And that's something that I think we can sometimes struggle with, right? Where it's, where it's like, man, that is going to cost me a lot, whether it's money or time or effort or whatever it is. But, but he's saying, keep doing that. Love each other well. Welcome people into your house. Show hospitality. He's trying to continue to encourage this friend of his to continue doing because Yes, he's doing it really well, but that doesn't mean it, he doesn't feel it, right? It doesn't mean it can't become draining. It doesn't mean it's not going to be something that over time kind of might wear on him. And he's trying to encourage him just to keep going, keep doing the things that you're doing, because these are the kinds of things that God would want you to be doing. He's the embodiment of what we talked about last week. He loves the truth, and he's living it. And in all of these things, he's encouraging him to continue with the same mission that we've been teaching here. It doesn't matter what, what, what truth from this book we are teaching, right? All of it still comes down to loving one another well. And I think showing hospitality is a great example of that. So, as you're, as you're hearing this description of who, of who Gaius is, be thinking about 
how hospitable am I? Do I open, do I open my house to people? Do I make sure that they're taken care of? Am I, am I supporting people who are, going, who are going on mission, right? The Gibsons are just a few weeks away. Uh, if you don't know the Gibsons, they, they were one of the families that helped plant CRC, and they're getting ready to move to Japan to minister there for a long time. You know, those, he's saying people like that we should be supporting. We should be making sure that it, that it goes well for them. They shouldn't be reliant on, and he says in here, he says, you know, not taking anything from the Gentiles. What he's saying is, People shouldn't be reliant on the world to fund their ministry. They should be reliant on the people that are in their family, that, that, are, that are in Christ with them, that are on mission with them. And, and these people are, are doing that. And Gaius isn't afraid to continue to support them. He's dealing generously with those he's welcoming into his home. They aren't financing their ministry by some other means. The church is taking care of them. And that's a cool thing. And maybe again, as we're looking at our lives, is that a thing that is true of us? Are we, are we loving people? Are we welcoming people? Are we, are we supporting people? Are we kind of funding ministry to make sure that these kinds of things take place so that people can be you know, fully devoted all in on the ministry that they're called to? That's what it looks like when we understand the truth and we love the truth. When we're all in on the truth. That when he says, your life will look like you live the truth, this is what it is. It's pouring ourselves out for one another, really loving genuinely and, and supporting our brothers and sisters in Christ, in the body of Christ. We're living like we are a family, like we are a body. Let's go ahead and keep going. Verse 9. Now we're going to kind of start to see the negative side as we start to understand the truth more. He says, I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. We'll stop right there for a second. Because here's the thing, when we, when, we don't when, we, when we understand the truth, but perhaps we don't love it, when we're getting filled up with facts and we're starting to understand, oh, I'm getting some of these things, there's this temptation to become prideful and, and, and being inhospitable, which is the opposite of what Gaius is. Diotrephes is being inhospitable, right? Being inhospitable is born out of pride, right? I understand this stuff. I get it. I don't need authority. I don't need anybody. He's saying, I don't even need the apostles, right? He's saying, we don't need their authority. All you need is me. I understand everything. Let's just make sure that I am elevated to a position of power so that I can make sure to guard the church. I will take care of the church. Basically, he's replacing Jesus with himself. He's saying, I'm going to be the church's savior. We don't need this other teaching, guys. We don't need any of that. We don't need their authority. We're good. We have me. Even the people who were wanting to try to live out the truth in a right way, what does it say he was doing? He was interfering. He was stopping the work of the church. He was stopping all of these things that John has just been commending. People are wanting to welcome people into their house, and he's saying, no, and you don't even get to come back to our church because this isn't the way we're going to do it. This isn't a doctrinal issue. This isn't because he understood some wrong truth. It's that, it's that he's got all this truth in, but he's not loving it, and he's not letting it actually become a part of his life. Right? He'd rather be powerful and ignore other spiritual authority. 
And just as an aside, this is kind of why we at CRC love the idea of elder leadership and having multiple elders, multiple pastors who are kind of guarding over the spiritual development of the church so that it's not just on, like it's not just I'm the only pastor and I'm up here and I'm the authority and everybody's under me. But, but we have our own sort of checks and balances. We have, we have each other to make sure that the things that we're teaching, do we believe these things? And we're always spending time. Is this really where we are? Is this what we understand to be true? Are we teaching this right? Are we, are we modeling this rightly? Are we holding each other accountable so that, so that you don't see us as one single authoritarian who's kind of ruling over everybody else and telling them what to do, but instead you hopefully have... Um, humble leaders who are submitting to one another and then lovingly serving the church out of that. So like I said, this isn't a doctrinal issue, though, though you could argue it is because he's not applying the scripture rightly. Like it, but his core problem isn't that he misunderstands scripture, it's that he's proud. It's that he likes power. It's that he likes being in charge. He likes being in authority. He likes, he likes being able to kind of rule over the rest of the church. And again, I say, we need to be examining our own hearts and saying, which direction am I going with this? As I'm being filled with truth, am I in turn loving that truth and seeing it change me? Or am I understanding lots of things and then kind of becoming pompous? Oh man, I've learned so many things. I'm going to now make sure that everybody understands just how how smart I am or just how, how good a leader I can be or I'm going to make sure that everybody does everything exactly the way that I want it to do because I've been in this so long. I know this so well. Now those people can just kind of submit to my authority. And I would just, and I would just, I would encourage you, whoever it is that, that you are looking to as your spiritual authority in life, I mean, theoretically, most of you, that should be the elders here at CRC because you're members of our church, but, but, it's okay to make sure that we aren't placing ourselves in the place of Jesus and saying that we're the authority. And instead, you should hope that you have leaders who are submitting to Jesus and just following his will as we kind of lead and guide and serve the church. That's what we should be looking for. And that's what John was commending Gaius for and, and cautioning about Diotrephes because he was, he, was, he was setting aside Jesus' authority and placing himself in the position of power. So, we have to fight that temptation, but also we have to make sure that we're submitted to people who are pointing us to Jesus and not highlighting themselves and pointing, pointing us to just follow them and their opinions and their views and, and, and kind of submit to their power. Because that is, that is easily one of the greatest temptations that can come with being in a position kind of like this. It can become easy to become an authoritarian, and that's, that's not what we want to become. Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 11, and this is the exact challenge that I was just giving. He says, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whatever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone, and from the truth itself, we also, our test, we also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon that we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. And so here's the last thing, the third point that I'm getting out of 3 John, is that, that your testimony matters, right? So you need to have a good testimony, and you also want to only follow those who have a good testimony as well, right? 
Because what is John setting up here? He's setting up, he's setting up, you kind of have A, A and B. You have, you have Gaius and you have Diotrephes. And he's saying you have two directions of leadership that you can kind of submit yourself to. Examine which one looks more like Jesus. And he's saying, if one of these looks like Jesus, if one of these is doing good, that is from God, you should follow that. Imitate that. Be like that. But if you see somebody who's doing evil, somebody who's not living out the truth, somebody who's not demonstrating what it looks like to be in Christ, to have their life changed by the truth of the gospel, then, then, then don't follow that. Don't try, to, don't try to copy that. Don't try to take some of the things they're doing and say, well, maybe that can be good and I can pull off that little piece and I can add it to my... Saying, don't, don't imitate those people. Don't model your life after those kind of people. And I think it's a good point for us to kind of just pause for a second and say... Who are the people that you are surrounding yourself with? Because the people that you are surrounding yourself with are going to be the people that shape the way that you live. They're going to be the people who, who set you up to either follow after Jesus or chase after the things of the world. Are they going to, are they going to point you toward Christ? Are they going to show you where you're in sin? Right? Because John says, I'm going to talk about this when I get there. Like, like, this isn't a done deal. It's not that he's just, that Diotrephes is off doing these things and that's it. Just ignore him. He's saying, when I get there and I'm coming, I'm going to talk about this. We're going to have a conversation and we're going to try to make this right. Right? You want to surround yourself with people who are going to try to push you toward holiness, push you back toward Christ. Absolutely. So that if you get confused, if you, if you fall off, if you chase after the wrong things, you have people around you who are going to say, hold on, that's not right. Maybe you don't understand. Let me show you in Scripture where this thing that you're now chasing after is actually a wicked thing that you should not want, that you should not desire. Better, than that, better that than to follow after people who are going to say, ah, do whatever you want. Or... Or, you know, just, just be like this. Do this. this. This is what all the cool kids are doing, right? Isn't that, isn't, that what, isn't that what the kids say these days? I don't know. This is what the kids are doing. He's, he's not listening. He's texting. He still doesn't. Oh, hey. <laughs> it is really hard to surround yourself with a bunch of God-fearing people. while you're out in the world. It's not easy. It's really easy to surround yourself with a lot of people who are only going to point you away from Christ. I'm not trying to say, just snap your fingers and all of a sudden you're there, you've got the right people around you. That, and, and even when you find those people, I'm not saying that all of a sudden it's easy because now you're around a bunch of people who are going to say, hey, I see this thing in your life and you need to change it. You need to repent of this. What you're doing is wrong because, because if they're pushing you toward Christ, they're going to be pulling away at all of the things in your life that are wicked, right? And that's not always going to be fun. So I'm not trying to say, once you surround yourself with the, with the people of God, once you, once you tie yourself together in the body of Christ, I'm not trying to say, all of a sudden everything's perfect and super easy. Because like John says, I'm coming to talk about some hard things with you guys. You guys, you guys have been around some rough things. There's some people in there that are sinning. And we've got to deal with this because we're not going to leave the church unhealthy. So I'm not saying once you surround yourself with, with the people who are chasing after God, and I'm saying imitate those people, right? I'm not saying that makes it perfect, 
But I am saying that ultimately that's what's going to lead you to loving the truth and having your life changed by the truth and starting to live in a way that looks like you love the truth of the gospel. That's, that's when all of those things that John was promising in 1 John, when we were back in 1 John, if you remember when he was saying, you know, this will become less burdensome for you, following the will of God. And it becomes less burdensome as you have people that are also kind of shouldering the burden of living like him alongside you as you go. As we're together, all of this, it just becomes easier over time. So the goal should be that we're putting our, we're surrounding ourselves with people that are going to push us to Christ, and we're putting ourselves under people whose testimony models that, that they are submitted to Christ. Right? He's saying, he, he, he's giving an example. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. He's like, I keep hearing lots of good things about this guy. You know, model your life after this guy. Imitate this guy. We should model our lives after the right people, and we should be conscious of what our testimony is. Because people around us are going to model their lives after us as well. Whether you think you are, you are modeling something for somebody to, to copy or not, you are. There's somebody in your life who looks up to you and says, I want to be like them, or I see this, I'm going to do that. Whether, you, whether you're seeking out people to copy you or not, people are going to copy you. And that's why this verse is super helpful. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 says, and I, whenever I read this the first time, it's like, that sounds kind of kind of pompous, but he says, be imitators of me. This is Paul. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. What Paul is saying is, I'm trying to be like Jesus. I'm fighting as hard as I can to look like Christ. And as I do, you should try to look like what I'm doing because I'm chasing after him. And he's confident in this. I'm trying to look like Jesus, so you try to look like me. Put yourself under the authority of people who are trying to look like Jesus, so that as you become like them, you are becoming like Jesus as well. This is kind of a terrifying statement to make. But it's one that as we grow, as all of us, every single person in here, if you are saved, as you are maturing in Christ, as you are continuing to better understand the truth, Right? As you, are, as you are trying to live out the truth in your life on a daily basis, we should become more confident to, that we can say that exact phrase to whoever it is that we are discipling, whoever it is that we are revealing, showing the truth to. Right? That should be true of us. We, our goal should be that we are all growing to the point where we can say, hey, you know what? You need somebody to look like? You can look like me. Live like me. Do the things that I'm doing, and you'll be in good shape. Right? We say that, and that's like, that sounds kind of like what, what we were saying Diotrephes was doing, where he's saying, look at me. Right? Isn't that exactly what you were just telling us not to do? Weren't you just telling us not to put ourselves in a position of power and authority? Well, if we're trying to look like Christ, we're not putting ourselves in a position of authority. We're submitting to Christ, saying, he's the one who is the supreme authority. He's the one who's ultimate. He's the one who should be looking after. However, as I chase after him, there are parts of my life that begin to look like his. Gaius is a great example, right? Because what's he been doing? He's been, he's been loving people. He's been humbly serving people. He's been pouring his life out 
for other members of the body of Christ. He's been supporting people who are going out in ministry. He's been welcoming people into his home. Right? It's only because he's going after Christ, because he knows the truth, right? As he, as he chases after Jesus, his life starts to look a whole lot more generous. He becomes more hospitable. And he's looking like Jesus, and so he's the kind of person that you should model your life after. Put yourself under the authority of people who are putting themselves under the authority of Christ and trying to become like him. And as you become like him, become confident that you are beginning to look like him and be confident that you can say, do the things that I'm doing to those who look up to you. I think, I think having that kind of a mindset, telling people to do the things that I'm doing as, as I'm trying to become like Christ, is also a really good way to kind of remind us of all of those things that we were co- commanded to do in 1 John. Follow all the commands that God has given us. Stay away from sin. I think that's the biggest thing that happens when you realize that people are trying to model their lives after you, is that you're like, oh man, this is a high calling. This is an important thing. I have to make sure that I'm living in a way that is reflective of who Jesus is because people are copying me. If you're a parent, they're already copying you. If you're an older sibling, they're probably already copying you. If you're a boss, they're probably already copying you. There's already somebody in your life who's already copying you. And if we can think about the fact that we should be modeling a life, of, a life that looks like we're chasing after Jesus, that more than anything else is going to get a hold of our attention when that temptation to chase after that thing of the world, whatever it is, comes up. So you be like, oh man, is that the part of my life that I want those people who are looking up to me to model? We kind of, it, it kind of becomes kind of self-accountability which is a really cool place to get. So, just to kind of tie, I kind of think all of these letters together, right? In 1 John, you had, you had a pastor who's writing to a church to just try to say, I want you to know that you are saved. I want you to be confident about who you are in Christ. I want to tell you all of the things that I see in your life that are true. You love each other well, you're following my commands, you're staying away from sin. If you're seeing those things in your life, I just want you to know that means you're saved, that means you're in. I want you to know that. I want you to know that truth and I want you to love that truth. That's what we talked about last week in 2 John. I want you to love that truth. And like we were saying today, as you love that truth, be conscious of where that takes you, what your testimony becomes as you become more and more understanding of what the truth of the gospel is. And guard yourself against the temptation to put yourself in a position of power or to put, surround yourself with people who are going to take you away from the truth. Be aware of who it is that you're following and who it is that follows you and who it is that you're surrounding yourselves with so that we can become a mature people who know and love the truth and passionately chase after looking like Christ and are taking a lot of people with us as we continue to share the truth with all of those people who are around us. Let's go ahead and pray.